said, I would rather have an anointing than be current. And uh, we need to be a people that are more concerned with being anointed than we are being current. Um, in the world that I travel in, in the world that I live in, I am... Um, just, just, just to share a little testimony. When God spoke to me, many of you know uh, it was in 19, uh, 19, uh, 2015 that uh, the Lord spoke to me. We had a, we had a great church in Waterloo, Iowa. Uh, we, we've been pastoring there for over 15 years, and God had spoken to my heart that it was time to transition. We, wasn't, we weren't exactly sure how to transition, didn't know exactly what we were supposed to do. We just knew it was time to transition. We knew our time, our tenure there was done. And when we, um, when we left, we, uh, we, we were working with another ministry, and to be honest, we were just sorting things out. We were trying to find where God wanted us and what God wanted us to do. And when God spoke to me about evangelism, that was <clears throat> where uh, I had been feeling God leading me for, for several years. I, I, even though I pastored, I still traveled a lot. And uh, that being said, it's not that I had a lot of connections because I really, really didn't have I didn't know uh, a lot of other ministries. For a number of years, I just worked in a local church. I didn't work outside that church. I didn't travel outside that local church. I just worked within it. So when the Lord spoke to me and really put it on my heart, and I knew all roads led to traveling ministry, I really didn't know how to articulate all that. I didn't know how it would all work out. So in uh, March of 2016, when we launched this ministry and we went to our next phase. And although I have been preaching since, um, oh, good grief, over 20 years, my wife and I are getting ready to celebrate 25 years of marriage in February. Amen? And uh, 26 years of ministry, 24 years of full-time ministry. This is the only career I've ever had is ministry. That being said, the transition from a traveling minister to a pastor, a uh, pastor to a traveling ministry is as different as night and day. A lot of people do it the other way. They travel for a long time and then they take roots. I did it the exact opposite, but I did it like God, God told me to do. And when, I, when we left and resigned our position at a church where we were working under great pastors that are still our pastors today, um, it was a huge, the biggest step of faith I've ever taken. The step of faith to leave Iowa was huge. We left a church, we left a home, we had businesses. I mean, we sowed the largest seeds we've ever sowed. Um, to make that transition was, was huge. But to transition into traveling ministry, uh, evangelist, I'm, I'm, I don't claim to be an evangelist. I have a heart for souls, but, but I'm not an evangelist. I'm a traveling ministry. My gifts are prophetic, apostolic. I still have a strong prophetic, uh, 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 pastoral gift, even though it's not so much um, pastoring a church, but I am pastoring pastors now. But when I, when I took that leap, Pastor Scott, I had a meeting in March, and I had a meeting in November, and that was it. I had a, a place to preach in March, which we stepped out in, in full-time traveling ministry in February of 2016. And we had, uh, we had one meeting in March, and then we didn't have anything else until November. We had nothing, nothing on the hook. You know, that's what we kind of say today. You know, we kind of got some working on some things. You know, there's always somebody calling or always God leading us somewhere. We, we, had, we, we just had one open door and that was it. But we knew it was God. And see, when, when you step out in faith and you know it's God, that's the safest place you'll ever be. 
The safest place you'll ever be is in the will of God. If you are in the middle of Pakistan right now preaching the gospel and you know you're in God's will, you are safer than we are right here in the United States of America. I just had a, a friend of mine. In fact, uh, this is a pattern, and I, and I want to find, uh, I'm going to maybe even talk with pastor after the service, but I've definitely found a pattern. When I was here with you in the springtime, I went from river of life to river of life. And then I was just at River of Life, and I'm back at River of Life again. That was unintentional. And uh, the, the address is 150, 150, what is the, and then what's the next, what's the building number, or the, 510. That's another pattern. I found that to be real interesting, and I'm going to another church, and the address is 510. And then I'll go to another church, and their address is 510. <laughs> I mean, this, to, uh, that, some folks don't, that don't mean anything. That's just, you know, it's just coincidence. No, not when it happens over and over and you recognize the timing of God. And tonight I want to talk to you just a little bit about the timing of God. And in First Chronicles um, uh, chapter 12, verse, uh, verse, tw uh, verse 1, it says, Now these are they that came to David to Ziklag, while he yet kept himself close because of Saul, the sons of Kish, and that they were among the mighty men, helpers of the war. Verse 2, and then, then we're going to go to verse 32 in a little bit. Verse 2, and they, they were armed with bows and could use their right hand or their left hand in hurling stones and shooting arrows out of a bow, even Saul's brethren of Benjamin. Lord, I thank you for this word, and I ask that it challenge us, change us, and cause us to be all we've been called to be. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. And uh, as Pastor was talking about the blood earlier, um, you know, it's, it's popular to not talk about the blood today. And that's something to think that the foundation of the church is on the blood and we've gotten away from it. But uh, I want you to know that not talking about it doesn't diminish nor deplete its power one bit. Even though people aren't talking about it and churches have decided, I don't want to discuss the blood, that's too gory for me, or whatever their decision has become, it has not taken away from the power of the blood one bit. Uh, we cannot talk about the Holy Spirit all day long, but I want you to know we are still going to have power in the church. And if God has to raise up a remnant in a Methodist church or a Episcopal church or a Catholic church or whatever it is he's got to do, God's going to raise up a remnant of power no matter what we think right now. But I, but I want you to know that, that it says that there were, uh, there were mighty men and they were armed. They could use, they could throw rocks with either, either hand. Is anybody here tonight ambidextrous? Can you use both hands? Is there anybody that's here? Uh, maybe a little bit. Uh, Pastor Scott, can you bat both ways? You know, when you, when you play, did you play ball? Not really. I, uh, uh, I, I knew guys that they, they could, uh, uh, we had guys in high school that could pitch with one arm a whole game and go into the second game and pitch with the other arm with the same, the same effectiveness. And, uh, I knew guys that could bat on both sides of the plate. It didn't matter. Uh, I, 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 that, that's, a, that's, that's something to, that's notable. It's a strength. But this says that they were armed. They could shoot a bow and they could throw rocks with both hands. That, that's interesting. Now, if we jump over, we're not going to turn there, but if we jump over to the book of Judges, let me see, it's chapter, is it chapter 3? Chapter 20, verse 16, we learn about 700 warriors who the Bible says they could throw rocks with both hands with such accuracy that they could split a hair at 200 yards. Um, that's, that's pretty interesting. And so I began to meditate on that. 
And I began to think of this, and then, then uh, we'll go to verse 32 here in just a minute, but I want to spend some time. And to, uh, tonight I want to talk to you about chronos time, something about timing. There is something about timing and being at the right place at the right time. Something about timing. Something about timing tonight. And I'm looking at our government and I'm looking at what's taking place in our nation. And we are in a generation where we are crying out. We are calling good evil and evil good. We look at our government and throughout our government we are, we are calling good evil and evil good. We need men and women of God that rise up and are aware of what's going on. And, and so I propose this tonight. We need men and women of God to rise up that have strength in both hands. <laughs> That's what we need. We need men and women of God that are gifted and talented in both hands. And I began to think about this scripture. And, and if you'll just allow me to, to share some thoughts that God has given me over the past few days. What I'm sharing with you and, uh, at the end of the service isn't so much fresh. I actually preached it this weekend for the first time. But what I want to share with you and some thoughts and ideas I want to uh, release to you right now that are very prophetic in my spirit. They are thoughts that I've accumulated over the past three days yesterday as I was I left my prayer time Friday was very much a, a it was a busy day and I was I was packing and I was loading the car and my little grandbaby came in and I said pop pops is going away for a few days I'm gonna be out preaching revival she's three she just turned three so pop pops is going and preaching revival and she says can I come <laughs> and I said no baby not this time today as I was leaving she followed me to my truck and she said, Pop Pops, can I go with you? I said, baby, no. And she says, you going to church? <laughs> and I said, yes, baby, I'm going to church. And we went, we went back in the house. And, but I was loading up and I was packing my suitcases. And, and one day I was teasing her. I said, just climb in the suitcase and, you can, and we'll sneak you away, okay? And she said, okay. And so as I was loading my suitcase, she, she looked at me and she said, you want me to climb in there, Pop Pops? <laughs> and I said, I really do, but I better not. But um. As I was loading, yesterday was a preparation day. I, I get up and we pray early in the mornings and I'd gotten up and I'd spent my time in prayer. And then I spent my time just studying God's word and, and uh, releasing God's word over my life. And, and uh, I came back home and honestly, I, I just had about two hours of downtime. And uh, I was, had a, a busy, heavy afternoon, a lot of things to do. And I sat down on my couch, and I felt a heaviness of God lay on me. Not a heaviness of sin, not a heaviness of despair, but a heaviness of God. And I just began to weep. And I began to cry out for God to do some things in my life, and, and I need a shift. Is anybody under the sound of my voice right now, do you need a shift? And has the enemy been telling you that it's not your time, maybe? Or maybe the enemy's telling you that you missed your time. Or the enemy's been talking to you about timing and maybe you feel like your timing is off. Tonight I want to propose something to you. You have not missed anything. You have not missed your time. You have not missed your season. As you guys were singing and playing tonight, I, I, uh, I, I heard the Lord talking and dealing with you about timing. And I, I, I feel like I heard the Lord say that there's some things you thought you missed. And the Lord wants you to know you hadn't missed anything. That you're at the right place at the right time. And God's going to do the things in you that he said he was going to do in you despite of what you think. And uh, I, I know that, uh, I know Pastor Scott is very much a father to both of you. You know, I know that both 
health in, a, in, 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 in so many ways. But, but man, Pastor Scott, I really felt like if you ever had a son and a daughter, you have a son and a daughter, and specifically a son and a daughter. I, it's just it's so awesome how God was laying that out. And the Lord spoke to me and talked to me about the family unit and what God was doing in your family, in your family that is to come. And the Lord began to talk about timing. And so often we think about our timing and we think our timing is off and we think our cycle is off. But I believe God wants you to know, he also wants you to know as a church that your timing and your cycle is not off. Because I propose to you this, Jesus walked up to a fig tree outside of its season and he wondered why there was no fruit on it. But it was not the time of a fig. So why is it that we're so caught up in timing? When Jesus walked to something in the natural world and said, there is no season for you, but you ought to be producing in this season. I heard somebody say that what should have happened was is the fig tree should have responded to the demand that the power of God was making on it in that moment. And it did not. And as a result, Jesus cursed it. Or, I, th I like this thought better, or that the presence of God that was in the, that the fig tree was in, in that moment, there should have been some kind of response. And because there was no response, Jesus cursed it and commanded it not to bring forth ever again. But I want to remind you that it was not the season for a fig. It was out of its timing, and yet Jesus demanded something that it, it could not in its season produce. And we start talking about timing. But friend, I want you to know, I heard the Lord say the other day that the church has got to recognize you are not you are not under the confines of mortal time you are operating in his time and tonight as I lay out what I want to share with you I began to see a picture that God was painting in the life of Pastor Scott I began to see a picture a picture of timing and how God's timing and Israel's timing line up and that God's raising up a generation of people that understand the season and the times when nobody else does see there are there are people that understood our president when nobody else did Come on, somebody. Huh? And see, we've got to be a people that recognize the seasons and the times, but we've also got to recognize we are not under the confine, confinement of time or season. So right now, you know, uh, it's, it's getting cold outside. The season's shifted. Last week, we were preaching down in Florida, and it was 85 degrees. And then when we got back to Arkansas, I think it was in the 40s. I'm from Iowa where tonight it's 15 and snowing. I am thank God God delivered me from all that. But we are not confound by time or seasons. And somebody says, but, but sometimes it just gets cold. But that cold should never, should never affect you in a bad way. And somebody will say, but economically, as a country, we will go through hard times, but it should never affect you. It should never affect you. It should not affect the church. Sickness just comes. That's a lie from the pits of hell. 
I've heard people say, I was just in, I was just preaching a conference last, it was, it was last year, last summer, uh, over in Des Moines, Iowa, and it was uh, 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 a minister's conference. Ministers from all over the country were there. And, and the Lord spoke to me. There was a lady, actually, somebody I've known for years. Her name's Lynn, was sitting in the back of the building, and she's sitting there, and God spoke to me and said, go back there and tell her that I want you to know your eyes will not dim. And I thought that was an interesting word. And so I went back and I pulled her aside and began to minister to her under the gift of the Holy Ghost. I said, Lord, I want you to know your eyes will not dim and your body's not going to wear out. You don't have to call it wear and tear because that's not what's going to happen to you. You're going to live supernaturally. And she began to cry because she just went to the doctor that week and they told her she was losing her eyesight and she was going blind. But see, we are not bound by this earth. We are not bind by, bound by the constraints of time or season. And what happened was God interjected himself into her life. Now, if we go back today, her eyes are better than they've ever been. Come on, somebody. Because God released a word inside of her life when she needed it. Some of you right now, maybe you're going through a hard time physically, a hard time spiritually, a hard time financially. God is interjecting his, himself into your life. That's why we're supposed to tithe. That's why we're supposed to give. That's why we're supposed to pray. That's why we're supposed to take communion. That's why we're supposed to soul win. You, we want to see a nation change. What would happen if we had about 500 churches in America would bind together and say, we are going to take our city we're going to take our streets we're going to take our nation back for Christ and get out there and win souls like we've never won souls before but we will say but maybe it's not my time you are not held by the constraints of time Jesus said this when the disciples talked to Jesus about prayer he said father said Jesus how should we pray and the Bible says that Jesus this one little statement he said, pray this way, Lord, as it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth. Heaven is not dictated by time or seasons. So you should not have your life run by time or seasons. Come on, somebody. And so what we have to recognize is in America, everybody, we, everybody, we have Christian guys. I know their hearts. I understand it. Uh, but everybody's telling you, prepare for retirement. Prepare, prepare. I get that. We should be good stewards. We shouldn't be sluggards. We should make preparations, okay? But we should not be preparing to retire. We should be preparing to do more for the kingdom of God than we've ever done in our lives. Just because we hit a certain age, it does not tell us we can't do something for the kingdom of God. We need to be wise stewards. We need to do the right things. We need to invest. We need to listen to the Lord. I understand that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not speaking against that. But we are so caught up. And I believe there are some people that are driven by fear. That they're afraid that they're going to lose everything. Or they're not going to have anything. I want you to know God has taken care of me. My whole ministry. 25 years. When the doctors told my wife she had cancer. The Holy Spirit came in and touched her and healed her. See we, were, we weren't living under the constraints of time or medicine. And we were living under the power of the Holy Ghost. And this is why the enemy wants to take the blood away from the church. And this is why he wants to take the Holy Ghost away from the church. Because if he can get you to live back naturally again. If he can get you to live in the natural realm, in the natural world. I want you to know it's not a natural world that we live in. But we live in a supernatural world. We live in a world where blind people get their eyesight back again. Where deaf people get their ears opened up again. With a lame walk. My God. We don't live in a natural world. And I don't ever want to be natural. I never want to live in a natural world.
When I was here, I don't even know if I've talked to Pastor Scott about this, but when we were here and for the Pentecost conference, we left the conference and I was driving home that Saturday, that Sunday afternoon, and uh, my heart started crying out to God. Been crying out the whole. Uh, I was really, I was really touched by the whole experience, just, just by uh, by being here and and your love and generosity. I love always, always love being with your pastors. The whole experience was wonderful, not just because I was preaching, but the whole experience was just great. And uh, it made me hungry. It stirred a hunger up inside of me. My, uh, even the night that I ministered and preached, it stirred hunger inside of me. That's my job. My job is to stir hunger in people. Stir a hunger for miracles. A hunger for signs and wonders. That's my job. It's my job to build faith. That's what, that's what God's called me to do. The, this weekend, we were, we, we've had an influx of op God opening deaf ears. And this past year, we've had more deaf ears open in this past year than we've had uh, in all of our, probably all of our ministry combined. But God's really doing something, and we're seeing a lot of deaf ears opened up. And I was preaching on that, and a precious partner of ours, maybe some of you even seen it on Facebook, but this young man, he came in, and he had a, a, a hearing apparatus on. And uh, what it did was it took surround sound, and in one ear, he could hear everything. And uh, this young man, they were, they were there. My, you know, this partner was there with us for service. And after the service, they slipped out because they were going to go up to Branson and go to um, do, just, just spend a day with their family after the service was over. And somebody grabbed them and said, you know, uh, uh, Prophet Benny was talking about uh, miracles and God opening up ears. Maybe you ought to go get prayed for. And so they came back in. And this young man came up, you know, he's, uh, he's in middle school, but uh, he, I think he's 12, maybe 13 years old. And uh, he took his little hearing aid off, and he completely deaf in one ear, and mostly deaf in another. He could hear a little bit out of his other ear. And the pastor and I, we began to pray, and this young man fell out under the power of God. Laying there on the ground, the pastor went over and snapped his ears real softly in his deaf ear. And he opened up his eyes. And he got up, and so we began to test his ear, and man, God restored his hearing in that ear. The expression on this young man's face, but it was because somebody was not afraid or ashamed to preach on the glory, to preach on the power, to preach on the blood, to preach on the Holy Ghost. It's got nothing to do with Benny Baker. I'm a yielded vessel, but I want to see people healed and saved and set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I left and I was crying out to God, God, there's some things that aren't connecting that I've got to get connected to. And so I always come back to death because if we ever want anything as Christians, we have got to learn to die. We have got to learn to die. In the, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, death is really different in the church. Because when we want to worship God today, what do we do? Just talk at me. What do we do? If you want to worship God, what are you going to do? You're going to praise. You're going to sing, right? And that's, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. That is a way that we praise God. That's a way that we worship but in the Old Testament, when they wanted to worship, what did they do? They built an altar. And then they got an animal, and they killed it on that altar, and something died. I propose to you that it's a lot harder to kill something and let it die than it is just to sing a song. 
I have a great respect for praise and worship and it's so much a part of what we need to do as believers and I spend hours every week in praise and worship but we've got to recognize there is a worship that goes deeper than just singing a song. There's got to be a worship that comes out of us that says it comes from a broken place that only I can give. I listen to this pastor sounded the horn today. He blowed the shofar and I look at this. And uh, I, he could tell you all about these things, and I know nothing except they're beautiful. You don't want me trying to make any noises out of these, okay? You know, but, but with that being, when pastor gets up there and he takes the community, you know, he's, your pastor is very educated and very smart and uh, uh, a very wise man. Uh, way beyond his years. And he gets up here during communion and, take, and starts talking in Hebrew. And it just blows me away every time. I can speak in tongues. <laughs> but uh, but this, this, beautiful, this beautiful horn. Uh, Pastor, is this a particular animal? This is a ram's horn. So I look at this one over here, this beautiful, uh, just this trumpet here, right? A man crafted that. There was a man somewhere that made that. It was made maybe on a type of assembly line to create a uh, similar sound as the one before it and the one after it. They're uniform. But this, this was crafted by God. And there was an animal that gave this up. And there is a sound that it produces that even though there are many like it and there are very similar sounds, there is no sound like this sound. And see, I want you to know that your life, your, your, your well-being, you are a trumpet. And the sound that you produce is so different than the person next to you or the person behind you. That it is a sound that only you can make. See, you can praise God for things that happen to you that nobody else can praise God for. See, none of you can praise God for the miracles that God has done in my life over the past six months. But I can't pray. I can praise with you. I can agree with you. I can stand with you. But nobody can make the sound that you can make. See, when something dies inside of you, and you declare, even though it died, I stand and I praise you anyway, God. I lost a relationship, but I praise you anyway. I had to give up something, but I praise you anyway. I sowed a seed that was so life-changing that when I gave it I cried and wept for days over it but it was a sound that only I can make see and and I began to think about new wine and began to think God I, I want the new wine I want you to put fresh wine in me and I began to think that you cannot put old wine in a you can't put somebody say it for me New wine in an old wineskin. Can't do it. And, and yet, a wineskin comes from the bladder of a goat. That goat is not aimlessly wandering around somewhere, bladderless. Right? He gave up his life for the wine. He gave up his life for the anointing to be poured inside of him so that you and I could enjoy it. My God, I, I want you to know this, this is in me so strong tonight. God is raising up a generation of people that are strong. We know that they, they were, they were, they could fight with their right hand. That's a hand of strength, but it is also a hand of honor.
We need to be strong people that are unafraid to honor others. I believe if we become a church that has a culture of honor, we got to quit fighting in the church. We got to quit. I disagree and, and uh, fighting over what we don't like and how we baptize and whether you speak in tongues or not. My wife was just preaching a ladies' conference and she told the ladies, she said, she was sharing a testimony. She said, I was just sharing, talking to this lady who goes to a Pentecostal church. And she was telling her about what happened at church last night. And she said, man, you know, power of God hit. And people started shouting and running the aisles and jumping. You know, just acting Pentecostal. And then they started speaking in tongues. And this lady got real weird. And she said, didn't that scare you? And my, said, my wife said, no, I, I jumped right in. And I did all that too. And, and she said, but listen, this, this, is, this is where we are in the church. She said, um... She goes to a full gospel Pentecostal church and doesn't see a move of the Spirit. And, that, and that's something. Just because it has a full gospel name over the door doesn't mean there's a move of God taking place on the inside. And so um, she, she said, well, we don't do that at our church. We don't do that. And then the next statement, she said, do we really have to do all that to go to heaven? And my wife said, no, but I needed to go to Walmart. <laughs> As I tell you what, I, I, Pastor, I don't know what I'd do without prayer. I, I, I'm going to be real with you. I could not keep my mind if it wasn't for prayer and intercession. I couldn't keep my mind. I sure couldn't keep the mind of Christ. And it says that a generation, is, right hand is a hand of honor. It's also a hand of strength. We are going to have a group of people. God's raising up a generation of strong people who are going to walk in honor. Because the first thing we lose when we, get, when we get strong, if we're not careful, is honor. Because I know better. I've won more souls. I've done more. I've, I've seen more people healed and set free and saved. The spirit of competition that we've got in the church, we have got to get rid of it. Because it is not about who can build bigger churches or what denomination can build bigger churches or raise more money or buy more stuff. We get excited about that. But when you get to heaven, God's not going to look at you and say, you know, well done, pat you on the back for building big buildings. And, and nothing wrong with those things. I, 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 but we are more interested in having our face on Time Magazine than we are being in our prayer closet and having our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And in my world, where we have evangelists that are running out of the woodwork, I ask God, I say, God, separate me. You've got to do something to me that separates me from everybody else. And you know what I learned that will separate you? It will be the anointing of God. It'll be, it's not as, I, 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 please hear my heart tonight, but there's got to be a shift. God wants to raise up men and women of God that are strong in their right hand and strong in their left hand. And what we've done is we've used our left hand and it's weak. And we've said, well, it's not my time. It's not my season. I'm just weak. But God wants you to know you don't have to operate in time and you don't have to operate in season because God wants you to be strong all the time. He wants you to be anointed all the time. He wants you to be full of his power and his presence every where you go somebody says how is that possible the Bible says to walk in the spirit to walk in the spirit in the world that I live in evangelists have learned if they dress well and they smile big and they're approachable people like them and get more enamored with being liked than they are enamored with being anointed everybody wants to be liked but what we need to be is anointed in the, that left hand, I began to think 
I begin to pray and meditate. The right hand is honor and, and strength. And I begin to think about him. I begin to think about a, a, an, an old judge of Israel, Ehud. Who God raised up a left-handed man. In a generation when nobody could get close enough to the enemy, God raised up one man that could go in behind the enemy's lines and could kill an evil king. See, what God's doing is, is he's raising up men and women of God that are strong on their right hand and on the left hand. They are kings and they are priests. They are prayer warriors and they are warriors. Because when, you, when we, we need prayer warriors, but if we're not careful, I hear people say this all the time, I could just tuck myself away and just pray all the time and I'd just be happy, but you don't get nothing done when you do that. Because there's no souls that get one. There, are, there is nobody that gets healed. There is no revival in the marketplace. And so we need to be a people that recognize we need to be anointed all the time. We need to walk in the Spirit. We need to flow in the Spirit. And what I've learned is, is your anointing will create opportunities for you to express the gospel and share the gospel with others. Your anointing will do that. After, after service tonight, I, I believe it's, your, it's what you do on a regular basis is you're going to go out and you're going to win souls, right? You know, and, and y'all probably set a soul goal. You probably think this week I'm going to win this many people to Jesus. And you strive to make that goal. Or, or you decide I'm going to win at least one pe person to the Lord tonight. You know, we do those things. And, and that's awesome. But when you recognize your anointing will create the opportunity, that means God will start sending people to you randomly. Randomly. God wants to send people to you randomly. I, I have a friend who they just did an experiment. And they do this. They get in their car and they travel like I do and they, and they pray in their car the whole time they're in the car. And then they go into a place of business and they, they wait for someone to respond to that. Somebody says, can that happen? It's the anointing. It's tangible, right? And so um, I thought about that. He had some testimonies. Do you know what I've experienced? Children. Children. They respond to it. I go in, kids will start reaching for me. I've been in a place of prayer, and I go in, and they'll, they'll yell at me and start up. But it gives me the opportunity to talk to the parents. Come on, somebody. And then I can share the love of Jesus with somebody. I was walking in. Y'all have Famous Dave's here? Famous Dave's Barbecue? We had, back in Iowa, we had Famous Dave's Barbecue. And in fact, I, I had a, a pastor friend of mine here from Texas, here from Arlington, was, was with us. And we, we go walking into Famous Dave's. And I love Famous Dave's. They have this T-shirt. It says, uh, it's not good unless you get some on you. That's how the church ought to be. <laughs> and we didn't have good church unless we left with some Holy Ghost on us, right? We go walking in there, and there's this precious lady standing behind the desk. And she looks at me, and the Lord speaks to me in that moment. Her name was Gail, and said, you've got to share my love with Gail today. And I said, all right, God. I said, you know, what do you want me to do? You know, I'm, this is weird because she's working now. I'll be the first to say, I, I win souls wherever God gives me the chance, the opportunity. But I want to be in order. So I don't want to go up to somebody while they're working and uh, cause them to maybe mess up at their job. or I'll do whatever God tells me to do. But I also want to want to I don't want to leave a bad taste in their mouth for Christianity, okay? So I'm I'm like God, how do you want how do you want me to handle this? And you know at that point God's just kind of silent, so I'm just kind of waiting it out. She takes us and she seats us, and I'm sitting there and I've got my friend and I'm like, man, I can't think anything. I told my friend I said, the Lord told me I need to minister to this lady before I leave, and he said, well, what are you gonna do? I said, well, I'm gonna go talk to her about the Lord, and I, and I said, but my struggle is I don't want to I don't want to bother her 
while she's working because I don't want to walk away and she's like, ah, another Christian fanatic. Here I am trying to work and they're bothering me. I have no sense of who she is or anything. And so uh, we went through and we finished up supper. I couldn't eat. All I thought about was, God, I need to minister to this lady. And so I said, Lord, if the foyer is empty and there are not people in the foyer when I, when I go out there, I said, um, that'll be my clue that she's free to talk. And so um, we get up and box, our, box up stuff, and we're walking out, and as we did, the foyer's full of people. People are everywhere. And, so, and, and I can't shake it. And I said, all right. I told my friend, I said, if you'll just give me 10 minutes, I've got to talk to this lady, but I can't leave without talking to this lady. I said, so if you give me time for the foyer to clear out, then uh, just wait outside, whatever you need to do. Stay went outside. You know, they were gracious, and they're just waiting for me. Within five minutes, the foyer completely cleared out. So I walked up to this lady, and I looked at her, and I called her by name. I said, Gail, I said, uh, there's something special about you. I just want you to know that God loves you, and, and uh, he's trying to do something very special for you right now. And tears started streaming down her face. She looked at me, and she said, she said, sir, she said, I just moved here from Des Moines. And I've not been in church in a long time. And I've been searching for a good church to go to. And I've been wanting to get reconnected to God and his family. And she wept. And I gave her information about the church. The next day, she showed up at church. She came in. She rededicated her life to Jesus that day. And then she brought her daughter in and her granddaughter in. And then her granddaughter had a baby. And guess who got to be godparents? My wife and I over that baby. All because the anointing that God placed inside of my life created an opportunity for me to share the love of Jesus with somebody right there in a restaurant. Friend, when you are anointed and you recognize I'm anointed, everywhere you go, God will start creating opportunities for you to share his love with people. I was walking downtown one day, uh, downtown Cedar Falls. Cedar Falls, we would do soul winning. and Oh my, it was horrible. I mean, it was like a fruitless field. We would sow, and so we had, this. there was, um, and I'm not giving glory to the enemy, but there were attacks that happened on the people that we sent into the areas, and man, it was just, you know, it was just a tough area, but we pined away. We would go, and we would just, we would just pine away, and we would go out, and, and where we would go to Waterloo, and maybe win 20 or 30 people to the Lord, and, and invite people to come in and hold crusades in the neighborhoods, we'd go to Cedar Falls, and, and nobody would respond. In fact, they would just, it was a college town, and that, that in and of itself is a different world. But long story short, I was walking down the street one day, and there's this little lady sitting on her front porch, and she's got a couple little kids. And I just walked up to her, I said, hey, I'm Pastor Benny, and I uh, Pastor Calvary Christian Center. Just Man, just uh, just like to share the love of Jesus with you today. And I pulled out some little toys and trinkets we had and asked if I could give them to the kids. And she said, yeah, you can do that. And I just started talking to her about the love of God. Just started talking to her about the love of Jesus. And she stopped me and she said, I'm a believer. And I said, that is awesome. And I said, where do you go to church? She said, I go to Celebration First Assembly. I said, Pastor Don is one of my best friends. That's awesome. You've got a good church. Sis, I want you to know if you're a believer and uh, you're all good, you know, we can pray with you about some things and try to pray with her. And she said she was good about things. And, and I said, well, I tell you what, this is what I believe. I believe if everything's good, God wanted me to come by here today just to let you know that he loves you. That he just loves you, that you are his child and he loves you and he wants me to remind you of that. And uh, my wife and I, we went, we got in our car and we went home. A week later, we were just walking down the street 
And this big Dodge Ram pickup truck comes flying by us. And uh, it slams on its brakes in the middle of the road and spins over kind of in a driveway, you know, a little bit in front of us. And once again, we don't know what's going on. We don't recognize the person. We don't recognize the vehicle. And so we're just kind of standing there, you know. This lady sticks her head out the window and starts screaming my name. I still have no idea who this person is. Now, when you live in the world that we live in, you don't know if this is good news, Pastor, or bad news, you know. I don't know what's going on. I have no discernment of this moment right here. And this lady jumps out of that car and starts running to us, and she got about as far as from here to the door, and she looks at me and she said, Do you remember me? And I said, Yes. I said, I remember you. I prayed for you last week. Julie, right? Yes. And she started crying. And she said, Brother Benny, I want you to know I lied to you yet last week. And I said, you did. And she said, yeah, I lied. I, I don't remember the last time I was in a church. But I was just in my house, and I was belly aching to God. And I said, God, you've forgotten me. You don't know me. And listen to these words. And I don't even believe you love me anymore. And then you come along. Come on, somebody. And you said these words. God wants you to know that he loves you. Come on, somebody. She said, I went inside. I took my kids inside. We got on our face and we cried out to Jesus and we asked forgiveness of our sins and we made our hearts right with Jesus and we determined we're going to be back in God's house. In fact, where's the church at and what time are services? Come on, somebody. I want you to know people like that will become the best Christians that we could ever want. Friend, we need to be a people that are strong in our right hand and strong in our left hand. Why is it that we have soul winners? They go out and they win souls and they win souls, but they never get anybody healed. They never get anybody delivered or set free. God's raising up two-handed Christians that will rise up and get them saved and get them set free and give them delivered as well. I just heard a pastor on national television this past week. I don't watch a lot, I don't watch a lot of TV preachers. I just don't. But I heard this TV preacher say this. He was talking about, and just, just, I'm not telling you who it is, but in my opinion, the guy's just worldly. He just comes across as worldly to me, and I'm not judging him. I love him, and I want the best for him, but he comes across as worldly. But when he said this statement, I got red, pastor, I got red flags going off. He says, why is it that we're not seeing people healed anymore? Why aren't we seeing people delivered and set free anymore? And I instantly stopped and thought, we just saw a little boy get healed last weekend. That's one of hundreds of healings and miracles that we've seen this year. My question is, why aren't you seeing it? Come on, somebody. We need to be a generation that we don't just get up and preach the gospel, but we go out. We are strong in our right hand, and we are strong in our left hand. And we go out there, and we preach the gospel, and then we go out there, and we let the power of the Holy Ghost be on display. Woo, man. I'm, I don't know if you all are having fun tonight, but I'm having the time of my life. I believe God's raising up men and women of God that they will declare I'm strong with my right hand and I'm strong with my left hand. I'm strong with honor and I'm strong in supernatural opportunities. And this is going to bring us, I need to finish up. I've done preached way too long. Are you still okay? Can you give me five or ten more? Who give me like 15 more minutes? It's 15, a half hour, 45. We got all night. We're good. <laughs> just give me a few minutes, okay? I'm almost done. I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's jump over to 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. And this is where I believe you as a people are. 
This is where I believe your pastor is, where your pastors are. And it says, in the children of Issachar, which were men that had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. I, I, could, I could preach all night on the sons of Issachar. I, uh, but they are a people that could discern, godly discern the time. Because I, I start questioning a generation that starts calling out evil as good. I don't know. I, I, grace of God, I don't know how the multiplied millions of abortions that have taken place in America has not opened up a portal from hell that has shucked the world into it. I don't. Grace of God. I know the grace of God. But when we look at that and we think that that's okay, now I, I follow that up with. Um, we stand for life. I stand for life. But I want you to know if you're in the sound of my voice, whether you're watching, you're in this room, and, and you've walked through that, I want you to know God loves you and God's grace is huge. If, if we didn't have, uh, if we weren't live streaming, I could share, you, share a testimony maybe when we're, if you'll let me know when we're not streaming, I'll, I'll share a testimony about God's greatness and people who have walked through that, but I, I can't share it. I'll just share it in a, in a private setting. But I want you to know that God loves you and God's grace is big. When it comes to ungodly lifestyles, I don't understand how we can look at that and say that it's okay because it's not okay. It's not okay. It's wrong. I love everybody. <clears throat> why is it, and, and I need to be done, but why is it that we've become a generation that we look at homosexuality as that it's so evil, but for years the church has allowed fornication and adultery in the church and we've not thought anything of it. And all of a sudden, we've got a blatant sin that comes out, and everybody jumps, jumps up in the pulpit, and we want to cast out every homosexual, and yet we're not, I'm not saying every church is doing that, but the church has done that, has been guilty. Explain to me this. Why is it that the church, why, why did the church, when AIDS came out, why didn't the church stand up and look in the face of the homosexual community and say, we love you, and we don't agree with your lifestyle, but Jesus loves you, and he wants to heal you. And he wants to reconcile you back to his family. And we can help you make this right. But the church stood up and pointed his finger in the face of the community and said, God hates you and this is his judgment because you're evil and you're dirty. When my sin was dirty too. My sin might not have been that sin, but my sin was dirty too. And your sin was dirty too. And if it was not for the grace of God, there's none of us that would be here today. But we need a generation that can discern the times. I remember, I remember, Pastor, I remember the first case of AIDS. I remember one of the first people that passed away due to it. I remember it. I remember it making headlines. I remember the stories. It was heartbreaking. But I don't remember one preacher getting up and saying, but God loves you. I don't remember it. I can't think of one. And I'm, there, I'm sure maybe they were out there. But we need to be a people who operate in God's holiness and we operate in his love. And I look at a generation. Man, I, I, this is in me tonight. But we look at a generation of preachers who wear skinny jeans. And... Uh, I love everybody, but I would rather be anointed than be current. Because I also know preachers who literally, they come in from the woods where they've been there for days praying and seeking the face of God, and they're anointed. And they come in and speak one word that changes everything. God, 
Let us be like the children of Issachar. Let us be able to discern politically the seasons. Let us be able to discern the seasons of the church. Let us do it with pinpoint accuracy. See, the Bible says the children of Issachar, they stood with David when others weren't because they recognized that's where the anointing was. We might have people around us that maybe we don't agree with everything in their life, but we got to recognize where God's anointing is. Where is God's presence right now? Where is, I don't want to be religious. I grew up in religion. We grew up in a religious church that was religious and it was ugly. The way they treated others, it was ugly and, and I didn't like the religion. But I also want to be holy. So I don't want to be religious, but I do want to be holy. And so we begin to weigh the balance between religion and holiness and religion and being holy. And if I'm going to err in religion, I would rather err with religion and be holy than to err in missing God. And I know that that's hard, and I hate religion. The prophetic, the prophet Jesus, Jesus hated religion. But at the same time, I want to be holy. I want to be in His presence. As when I, I'm going to go back to the beginning. When I left here in May, and I was on my way home, and I'm crying out, God, I've got to have more. I've got to have more. I've got to have more. And I say this on the other side of it now. But I felt God calling me to a 21-day fast. And so, so I felt that it would be broke up. So I go home, and seven days, Pastor, I turned off the television. And for seven days, I just did water. I have a list. I have it, I have it in my briefcases in my truck. Four things I'm believing God for right now. Four important things have to do with my life, my ministry, everything. Four things. And for seven days with the television off and uh, uh, news radio off and, 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 and no outside influences, and I, I poured my life into the Word. I would wake up in the night speaking in tongues for seven days. And then for the next 14 days, I, I, I did my, my fast was different. But, but for seven days, I just tucked myself away from everything. And on day six, I'm in my prayer closet. And I don't say this to build up Benny Baker because I'm, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm, just, I'm telling you this is a testimony of this is what God wants us to do and where we're going as a church. And after, on day six, I was, I, was on my, I was on my bed. I was crying out to God. And I was sick. Physically, at that point, I was sick. Some, had something that just happened to me. I had a physical attack that just came against me. And, and, I, and I hurt so bad physically, I could not think. And it was in that moment that God spoke to me. It was in that moment. I would love to him to speak to me when I walk out of this church tonight and give me a download from heaven, and he's done that. But there is something about paying a price for the anointing. And we look at the price and we think to ourselves, is it worth it, friend? It is worth it. It is worth it. Whatever you have to give up, one by one, God laid out the things. And uh, it, it was so clear that within a few days, the very thing God told me to deal with a certain way pastor god gave me the opportunity to deal with it the way he told me to it was a situation i hadn't heard about in over a year and within a couple of days i'm faced with it i mean just head on but i knew it was god friend tonight
I want you to know God wants to release a discernment anointing to you that will make you aware of your season. We've got to be a people that we've got to quit being enamored with, with hours of prayer. We do. And we need to be a people that are willing to tuck ourselves away for days. I know that sounds hard because people say we've got school, and we've got work, and we've got so many things. I'm not saying you have to do that all the time, but we do need to be a people that are not afraid to tuck ourselves away and say, I am not coming out until I've heard the voice of God. We got to be a people that maybe, maybe, I know, I don't know what pastor's challenge is in this year. I, I don't know. But man, I feel such a call to this. As I was praying and concern, praying about this service tonight, I felt such a call to this that, that God wants to raise up a generation of people who are strong on both sides. That there was no weakness that the world could see. Because the enemy is looking for a weakness. He doesn't, the enemy attacks the strong, don't get me wrong. But there's a different level of attack. But the enemy's always going to attack the weakest first. Whenever we would, we as a church, we would go into an extended revival. Every time there was one person who would rise up. One person. And I recognized, I, I knew, and I would be praying ahead of time every time, and it would be the most spiritually immature person because they didn't understand. They could not discern the timing. But God wants us to be a people that, that aren't afraid to, we're not afraid to take a weekend a Friday and Saturday, I know your, your church is on Saturday night, but to take a, maybe a Thursday and Friday, take it off, schedule it off from work, and just pray for your pastors, for your city. Because this is what I feel. I feel like God is telling you to enlarge your tent. I feel the Lord saying to stretch out your tent pegs and broaden your reach because God has a harvest that is coming to this body, that is coming to these believers that go far beyond what you see right now. And I want you to know God is going to stop. And this is what I hear. I hear God is going to kill the cycles that the church has been in. Where we have had the ups and the downs, God's going to stop those cycles. And God's going to shift you into a place where there's going to be growth and increase that's going to boggle your mind. And somebody says, well, give me scripture for that. There is going to come a day when the Bible says there'll be seed in the ground. And as quick as the seed is in the ground, it's going to shoot up a harvest behind it. And that means the harvester is going to overtake the person putting the seed in the ground. So that means I believe that God is bringing this people because of your diligence, because of your faithfulness, because of your dedication. God's going to bring you to a place of growth like God's been speaking to you. And you are not going to have to allow the anointing or the presence of God to diminish one bit. Because God will bring people to you that are hungry. Hunger makes the difference. When you're hungry, hunger does not feel good, but it will lead you to what you need. So tonight, I challenge you in this. Tonight, let's allow the anointing of Issachar to rest upon us, the children of Issachar, that lets us discern the times that we are in. And we can rise up and say, when there's another president that's supposed to come into office, we know. We recognize. We can look at their life. We can look at their fruit. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm sick of hearing as a people in our political system, we have to raise up and say, we've got to choose the lesser of two evils. I don't believe that's God's plan for the church or us or us as a nation. I think God wants to put godly men and women in power. 
godly people, God-fearing people that are hungry for a move of God. And he's going to use you to discern it. We, we, uh, we need to be strong enough to put political, political um, organizations aside and hear the voice of God and be able to discern without somebody telling us that I'm this or that. We need to be able to rise up and say, I am going to vote the Word of God. I am going to make a decision on my life based on the Word of God. When a, when a, new, when a, new, uh, when a new ministry comes to the forefront in the kingdom, we can stand up and we can discern them and know if they're of God or not. Because I've watched some awesome men of God that I've seen great miracles come through within months falter. Months. And people were blown away. But the whole time there were the children of Issachar, that Issachar anointing who said, I've been praying for them. Not judge them, not cast them out, not criticize them, but at the same time, be a righteous judge and stand and be able to declare this is what God's saying in this season. So tonight what I would like to do is I would like to join with your pastor and I would like to anoint you. I, I believe God's going to let me release some prophetic words, but but uh, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet tonight. And I'd like to anoint you tonight for discernment. Is this okay, Pastor? Are we okay?